What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. say it is episode number 235 uh that emphasis will make no sense to any of you but it is indeed episode number 235 <laughs> and i am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest uh hello john hey john so glad to be back here on omakase yeah john and john uh we're supposed to have a third guest uh or i guess a second guest i'm not a guest but uh, he, he, he has the link. Maybe he'll make a run. I'm not going to say who it is and like shame him in case he never uh, appears. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, but we're here, of course, uh, back on the free feed here. A little bit of a weird day uh, recording here on a Thursday. Uh, I assume it'll probably go up either late Thursday or early Friday. But just kind of a weird schedule because of the, the way the G1 schedule worked out. You know, the G1 kind of ending on a Wednesday, Thursday and doing these Wednesday, Thursday shows with no weekend shows two weeks in a row. Uh, I just kind of did, did it that, you know, just kind of worked out that way. Plus, I'm going to Philly for the uh, New Japan. Um, I don't remember what the fuck they're called. The Strong Tapings. I think they have some wacky name for it. I don't remember what the hell they're called. Oh, but yeah. Going... I was uh, looking at tickets today. I thought those shows were uh, a lot cheaper than they are. Yeah, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. I, I got front, a second row to both of them. I didn't do front row because the front row package for two nights, I was like, wow, I don't want to spend that much money. I'm strong. So, I mean, this, even the second row was like, wow, kind of a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Right? I was I was looking at I was thinking of dropping like 50 bucks for a ticket or something, getting an OKC. And then they announced like those tags that fill out the rest of the card. Yeah. And I just got back row right by the concessions. There you go. But yeah, so we'll both be there. Um, I'm well, for both shows or just for one of the shows. I've got a ticket for Sunday. I might, if there's still standing room, I might grab Saturday. Uh, I'm actually, I think Saturday is a better up and down card, and Sunday's got a couple matches that peak really high. To be honest, I really don't even know what the cards are besides that Moxley. <laughs> I do not watch Strong every week. I mean, it's one of those things where I think after the G1 is over, I might try to start watching it. It's just like a time thing for me where. I'm, you're watching all these G1 shows, you know, you're covering the G1 in audio form every day. And that's, of course, we're going to plug that in a second. Um, 
you know, been doing everyday audio uh, coverage of the G1 on the Patreon, plus the Noah and woman that was going. And it's just like, how much time do I really want to, uh, you know, commit to wrestling? I have other interests, you know? It's like, there's some people I feel like who watch literally everything. And I'm just like, I don't know how you do this. Like, I I have a stay-at-home job at this point. I have a, I'm still a work-from-home person. So I have plenty of time to watch during the daytime. And it's just like, I, you know, I don't know. I watch I watch lots of wrestling, but I don't I don't watch every single thing. I don't watch every promotion at all times, the way it seems like some people do. And I guess it's just a matter of not having other interests. But I do have other interests, like the New York Rangers, <laughs> who just scored the goal to tie it as I'm recording. Woo! All right. Let's go. Yeah, two two now. They looked, they look, they have looked alter, alternatingly uh, great and horrible to start the season uh, in these last two days. But yeah, hockey season's back this week. Uh, it made very a, a whole lot of AEW fans act like fucking piss babies in the last twenty four hours because uh, Dynamite, you know, got preempted this week and next week for the NHL debuting on TNT. Uh, if you want to see a bunch of people who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Go find the, the WrestleNomics tweet. And WrestleNomics is great. Not as I'm talking about. But go find the WrestleNomics tweet where they he gives the ratings for the NHL on TNT debut. And you can see, like, all these wrestling fans replying and quote tweeting with, Whoa, why are they even uh, giving the Wednesday night slot to the NHL when they didn't even do, can't do the kind of ratings AEW did. They did like 890,000 uh, and then like an 0.32, 18 to 49, which isn't even that far below what AEW just did. They just did an 0.37. But like, those are actually pretty good ratings for the NHL. So the, so the, these people seem to think like TNT is going to be mad and be like, oh, we got to rethink uh, having the NHL on Wednesdays. It's like, no, the reason why you go out and get the NHL is because, first of all, uh, the playoffs do pretty decent nut ratings, especially for cable nowadays. And, you know, the, the regular season is just kind of something you have to air. But the playoffs are, uh, especially October through December, you know, when, like, the sports, obviously the sports attention in America is very much taken up by football. I mean, you know, they're they're, run, they're airing it only at, like, 10 p.m. on Wednesdays after these first two weeks until January. You know, that's not by accident. But, you know, the regular season is just something you have to get through. And then you get the playoffs, which is the actual reward of having – uh, the NHL package where people do pay attention and tune in for the playoffs. But second of all, you get the NHL because it has one of the, uh, you know, highest average incomes among any viewership in sports. It skews a little bit younger than other some of the other sports too. And the ad rates you can get for are fucking massive. You know what doesn't do very good ad rates? Uh, professional wrestling. You mean so, people like me aren't buying all those products? You don't. You, you don't say. Uh, the, the luxury car, uh, you know, Lexus is not advertising their luxury cars like they did five thousand times during uh, the the NHL broadcast yesterday. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it is just like okay, not under, if you don't understand anything about television. I guess that's those are the people who are you know tweeting and. Uh, quote tweeting and replying because it's like yeah that's why they got the, you get the nhl for prestige also i mean that's another big pl- reason why tnt went out and got it it's like they can go and say oh we have the nba and the nhl to go with you know mlb on tbs but you know i mean you can love AEW all you want and i like AEW. i watch the show every week now but it just you know a two-year-old professional wrestling league does not have the same prestige as, as the nhl does i don't know what I to mean, tell you I also think a couple Wednesdays off 
benefits them. It helps me. It also, in this instance, it really helped me. My uh, my girlfriend flew out of town today for a weekend in Montana. Mm-hmm. And last night was her last night in town. And she goes, well, you know, I'm going to be gone all week, but I guess you can't come out and do anything with me Wednesday because it's AEW. And I said, baby, I'm skipping Dynamite tonight. You <laughs> may- are you, you worked me? Did you no. really work her? You oh, I worked her. You oh, didn't yeah. tell her that. <laughs> My girlfriend's a dumb mark. I... <laughs> wow, buddy. I, yeah. I don't know if I'd be bragging about that on the air. Uh, this I is was... a free episode. She couldn't oh, listen to it somehow. Imagine, imagine, imagine my girlfriend going, you She's know what? I'll listen to two, two nights of G1 day. coverage to see yeah. how John did. Yeah. You never know, buddy. Well, sorry. Sorry. Lindsay. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you're a dumb Mark. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. The, the, the but yeah, the, some of the people who, who are, com- who are commenting on this still don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But yeah, it's been great having NHL back. I'm, you know, a huge hockey fan. You know, it's always probably going to be my first and biggest love for legitimate competition. And, you know, I'm very excited about the season. Uh, you know, just having it on, like, actual networks instead of the weird NBC closed garden that's been in for the last 15 years where mm-hmm. they're exclusive to NBC and NBCSN, a network nobody watches, was really kind of fun. It's like, oh, we're back on ESPN and TNT now. This is kind of cool. I mean, we're on TNT for the first time ever and back on ESPN. And, you know, they... they ESPN especially, they just like every everything they do is so slick, right? Like the graphics are so slick, and you know the presentation is so slick, and it really is just feels like you're you're in the big time again when you're back on that network. For all the other things that suck about ESPN, at least it's uh, it does feel a lot how a lot bigger than being on uh, NBC fucking Sports Network. Yeah, so. speaking as a basketball fan, I mean, I love, I mean, I'll watch. A game I'm not interested at all for the ESPN presentation. I've also been I'm so far removed from hockey these days. Uh, I've been like shocked at what networks the NHL is on. <laughs> like I couldn't was like a FSN or like eight the Ocho or whatever. Uh, oh, well, they're on ESPN Plus a lot now. Oh, okay. Yeah, but before that, that's... were they just on like they weren't on any like real channels for a while, right? Well, they were on. So so okay. So so 2006 after the lockout. They did the infamous move to OLN, the Outdoor Life Network, when ESPN did not want them anymore. And pretty much the way that worked out was, so they went went to NBC as their broadcast partner and Outdoor Life Network as their cable partner, which Charles Barkley made a joke about when he came on the NHL on TNT coverage yesterday, which he was great, by the way. He was awesome on the NHL on TNT. Because he's a real hockey fan. Like, he fucking loves hockey. So, like, I remember he, during Inside the NBA a few years ago, like, he was talking about how, like, sick of basketball he was and how much he would rather be watching all the playoff hockey. <laughs> and it was like, and, you know, the other guys were giving him shit for it. He was like, why don't you watch the games you're being paid to watch? And he was like, he was like, I got two eyes. And he's like, you know, <laughs> implying he watch them both. But, yeah, he loves playoffs. He loves the hockey playoffs especially. And, uh, yeah, so he showed up to, like, basically – welcome them to tnt apparently he so he's like really good friends with wayne gretzky and he was like one of the, the most instrumental people i guess and bringing gretzky to tnt he was like calling him nonstop or something charles barkley but, brought wayne gretzky to tnt that's apparently what happened what he, can't he was like this man do calling him every day apparently imagine yeah. getting calls every day from charles barkley. <laughs> yeah this must be great like, oh, you bet? probably tell, tell him about a, a great betting opportunity or something. oh yes Oh, imagine gambling with Wayne Gretzky <laughs> and Charles Barkley. The great yeah, equalizer. The great equalizer. Um, but yeah, so he... I don't even remember what I was saying now. Oh, so, so Charles Barkley basically was making the joke 
about how he's like, oh, I'm rich. I didn't even have that network. Uh, he's like, he's like, it's funny you guys are back on real network. It's good that you guys are on real networks now. Basically, what he said. But yeah, the so the Outdoor Life Network, it was basically Comcast Network, and it turned into Versus, which was what they called it for a while. Which uh, so that was their national cable partner. Uh, and I remember when I had Directv at the time, and they just dropped it. And I didn't have the national games for like half a season. That was great. Although I got a, I got free Center Ice out of that, the uh, out of market package, which was fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, the because I called and complained, and they were like, "I will right, we'll give you the center ice for free." Um, but yeah, the so they they were verses from like I think I guess like two thousand seven, and then Comcast bought NBC, so they rebranded verses as NBCSN. So that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, so they so they've been on NBC and NBCSN since twenty eleven. They had like a, it was like a ten year exclusive deal that the. National Hockey League has regretted every day since they made the deal because <laughs> they basically just missed where the TV rights went insane. And even for their, you know, even for the amount of uh, the ratings they draw, which obviously is not in the same ballpark as the other major sports leagues, they they end up signing a $410 million per year contract with ESPN and just for one half of their package and then a $225 million contract with uh, TNT for the other half. So... You know, still still made plenty of money, that's for sure. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a it's great to have it on actual networks, I guess, is where I'm going with this. <laughs> and the and the like the present like NBC, they never I don't know what it was. I don't know why why they had the sport that they clearly didn't give a fuck about, but like they never put any effort into it. It never felt like they gave a shit. The intermissions, especially the does anything studio coverage involving NBC was like watching fucking paint dry. It was horrible. And, you know, just like two seconds of being on ESPN and TNT, it's like, oh, okay, these people actually know how to cover a sport, I guess. I don't know what else to say. Like, they actually uh, know what they're doing here. So, you know, that's what it was like in the first couple of days of the new season. So definitely exciting to have these new TV partners. And the AEW nerds can stay mad about it, I guess. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, that. screw you, nerds. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, anything going on with you? What have you been into this week other than uh, lying to your girlfriend? Oh, well, that, that <laughs> takes up a lot of my time, uh, but I have pulled the rest out with, I don't know, a whole lot of nothing. I've been watching, this month's been exhausting because I don't have a podcast and I still keep watching all these G1 shows and I I just don't know what I'm doing. It, it worked out, I guess, because now I'm, I'm on a podcast and I can talk about the G1 like I've w- watched the whole thing, but I watched the whole N1, I watched the whole G1, I went to two AEW shows and I feel like a psychopath. Oh, what you what you went to the Philly show too? I did. I went to Philly what, also. Yeah. What was so? I assume you also went to. I mean, obviously went to Philly. You live in Philly. You went to the the Grand Slam, or did you go to the one in Newark? I went to Grand Slam. Okay. Yeah, I went to Grand Slam too. I didn't go to Newark because I wasn't, you know, uh, I wasn't in in the tri-state area at the time. I was up in uh, well, I guess I was technically in New York, but they no longer consider it the tri-state area when yeah. you're up in Buffalo. So, um. But yeah, I don't. So I mean, how was the Philly? I don't. Even, what the fuck was on the Philly show? I don't remember. Oh, that's a great question. Had the the eight man tag was the opener. Oh, was um, it the ladder match when Hangman came back? The ladder match, right? The Hangman. Okay. Returns so it was last week's show. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I also went, like that I went was, to MLW like too, the... so I'm dying. I'm. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why I did like that, that. It seems like that would be a cool moment to be there for Paige returning. It was, yeah, but we talked ourselves into. We saw a bunch of signs 
for Jay oh, White. Oh, you, you talked yourself to Jay White. Like I was like, there's no way it's Jay White. They're not going to end the show with the surprise being Jay White. And then I saw signs and I was like, what the hell do these people know? And then, you know, I talked myself into it being Jay White and somehow I was bummed out by it being <laughs> Hangman, which would have been a very cool moment. Yeah. If I, it still was. That match was great too. And I don't even remember. Oh, I got um, Punk and Daniel Garcia. That was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, cool stuff. Wow. So that's cool. I mean, I did, I went to a bunch of stuff lately too, because I went to, uh, I went to the, the Diamond Grand Slam, obviously. And then I went to uh, the Suzuki versus Homicide GCW show like two days later. Which oh, that, that was, seemed, uh, that was so awesome. I mean, I had such a fun time at that show. I honestly wanted to go to the GCW in Atlantic city, but from this past weekend, but I, I know I was laughing at how much you were talking of GCW. It was so funny. Cause I know you don't really watch it and you went to that show and I was listening and you'd be like, Jordan Oliver's fine. The shows are great. I love. I just, I had a, I really had a great time there. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just. I, I probably it probably was like a better than average. Everybody's everybody I know said it was a better than average GCW show. But it just had that like, you know. I'm again. I have someone that's lived through, uh, you know, peak Ring of Honor. I lived through, you know, what people would consider peak Jakara. And I was, I mean, I was there for a lot of those shows, and it had that kind of vibe to me. Like this, it felt like a place where the fans were just excited to be there and having that kind of energy where the fans think they're watching something really special. Uh, I mean, it really can elevate any, you know, it, it can elevate anything, you know? So. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. And have you gone back by chance and watched homicide Suzuki like on tape? No, I haven't done it yet. I well, You know how I know that show must've been great to attend the way in the slack you and Taylor were talking up that match. I thought I was about to watch a fucking all-time classic, uh, but I could tell that in the room it was wild as hell. But uh, it didn't work on tape. It was no, it was still good. Um, in fact, if I hadn't heard the hype from people in the room, I probably would have been like, "That was a really good match." Well, I gave it four and a quarter. I didn't. I didn't give it five stars. But I yeah, but know. I mean, homicide. In, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, rounding for homicide. That's seven stars. Uh, Twenty twenty-one. <laughs> I love homicide. Uh, Homicide's like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I was like stoked. I was like you know, young homicides back for one night to wrestle Suzuki. It was still yeah. great though. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a great live. I mean, it, it really felt, it was the closest thing I've ever seen to, to like joke being ever joke Obashi, where like you had that same kind of vibe where like, you know, everybody was just into it. The moment the bell, like before the bell even rang, everybody was like, we're here to see something special. And, you know, we're in awe of this moment. And, you know, the, the, the Japanese legend against the, american indie legend it just had that very same similar vibe even yeah for sure though, even though the match itself was nowhere near as good obviously but. right right well you know it's funny i don't know this might be a spoiler for people um who knows i don't know when mlw airs anything but i i was at grand slam when homicide came out uh and i you know i was at two hour wage tapings with homicide there and then the next thing i went to was the mlw taping and there's gonna be a match if anyone watches this shit uh there's gonna be a match where the new Conan group, I forget what they're called. Um, they have a surprise fourth member to go against Lowe's Parks or third member. And it ends up being Homicide. And I was like, this motherfucker's following me. He's the surprise entrant <laughs> every show I go to. In fact, the AEW ladder match, I was like, I bet it's just Homicide. <laughs> it's, just, it's always fucking Homicide. Yeah. Well. Uh, but yeah, so I guess I was just, I was, you know, I, I like that show enough that I consider going to the GCW shows in Lake City. I probably would have gone. 
if I wasn't going to Philly this weekend already, you know, I like, it was just too much two weekends back to back, but you know, I already got my plans for Philly and we're staying, we're, we're driving down on Saturday. We're staying in a days in across the border in New Jersey. So okay, this days in has a suite where oh. it apparently has a hot tub. I am very skeptical that a, uh, days in has a hot tub in it, but we'll say, wait, wait, wait. Oh, but, oh, I thought you met at first in the room. In the room, yeah. Oh, you're staying at a Days Inn in Jersey with a in a suite <laughs> with a hot tub in it. That's what it says. <laughs> Just skip and the, the room. Sh- skip the show. The room is only 150 dollars, like for the night, even with like you know you have to all the fees and taxes. So I don't know, like all the because all the hotels I was looking at. Uh, this is still only like 10 minutes from the venue because you know how you know South Philly. I mean, it's like basically right. your Jersey's right there. But like all the hotels I was looking at in Philly proper, they wanted like 300 just for the basic room for that Saturday night. So I found this thing and I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's see what a days in suite with a hot tub is like, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be horrible, but it's only one night anyway. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, so we're doing Saturday and Sunday because originally we're like, oh, we can drive back and forth. I'm like, why the fuck would we do that? Does it make no. any sense? No, it's don't like do we're that. not. I mean, well, I'm so I'm, I guess he, my friend probably meant drive back and forth from New Jersey where he is, which, but it's still like an hour and a half. It's like, why would you want to drive all the way back? Like an hour and 15, hour and a half. Like, why would you want to drive all the way back and then drive back there the next day? And then drive, it just seemed like it made no fucking sense to me. So I talked him into the hotel room. Yeah. But, you're going to have a way better Sunday. You're going to, you're going to soak in the tub all day. Yeah. And you're going to be looking fresh, ready to go for Sunday <laughs> for all those uh, eight man tags with a bunch of guys. I don't know. Yeah. I don't watch strong. I don't want strong either. So we're we're both gonna be confused. Uh but I'm excited for the uh Suzuki and Archer versus uh Moxley and Kingston match. That should be awesome. I am too. It'll be cool to 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 get, you know, Moxley and Suzuki in what was Moxley I mean, was Suzuki there last time they were in Philly? I don't remember. Suzuki uh, wasn't I wanna say on that no. tour, right? Yeah, I wanna say no. All right, be cool to get Suzuki nice and up close like that. Yeah. So that'll be cool. I'm going to have a good time. Uh, but then I think after after that, I'm going to the Dynamite on December 8th, I think it is, in, in UBS Arena, which is also very close to my house, just like the last one. They keep running like right by my house. That's like, tight. UBS Arena is like 20 minutes, I think. So, you know, not that I'm going to become, that's the new home of the Islanders. So it'll be also be cool to go see the Rangers, hopefully beat them, probably lose to them the way they've two teams have been playing each other lately but uh <laughs> but yeah the you know it'll be it's really really close to my house to where i live in uh you know in throg's neck so i am definitely uh excited to see you know to you're see pretty much a, dynamite. you're a dynamite deadhead now i guess so <laughs> i mean i'm not going i mean it's very close to my i i, I haven't left my general area to go to AEW yet. I mean, the both these shows I went to are like the other show too was like 20 minutes from my house too. Right. Right. And right. uh, grand slam. So I haven't gone that far for them yet. Um, you know, I don't go to, I didn't go to Philly for them, obviously, which I am going to Philly for new Japan. But part of that's like, like if they were running Philly for a pay-per-view, I would probably go, but like to get, to go on a Wednesday night for a dynamite, you know, just seems kind of annoying. So yeah, it was a joy for me. I have a subway stop at my <laughs> corner, and there's a subway stop right outside the door of the venue. I barely had to be outside to go to that show. Yeah. 
But but you know, I voted down in my if it's close. I mean, I probably would have gone to that Newark show if I was didn't have vacation plans for that week already. That dynamite kind of stunk though, didn't it? I think I heard it sucked. I think I mean, yeah, I guess I did I watch it? I think I watched it from I think I watched it from a hot tub. <laughs> or a hot tub. What's we with a, you? We had a hot tub in the room in uh in the uh the Seneca Allegheny <laughs> Resort and Casino in upstate New York. So Living the hot tub life lately kicks ass. I do like I do like hot. We don't have so our bathtub in our apartment here is so tiny, so I can never take a bath. So it's like this is a big a big deal for me. It's just uh, having a large bathtub. Mm. But I mean, we being a, a hot tub is even better. We have a clawfoot here, and I hate it. A clawfoot tub. I don't know what that means. It's like one of those old style tubs that has like the legs on it. Uh... Um, I don't know how else to. Well, I don't know. The short version is it sucks. You got to buy a weird curtain for it. I'm not really a <laughs> bath guy. I don't know. I guess this doesn't really matter. I don't know if anyone really wants to hear about my bathtub. <laughs> but if they do, we could take it to the Patreon. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, the... I forgot what I was saying now. Yes, I guess I watched that show from the hot tub. Uh, the, New Jer- the New Jersey Dynamite. I don't remember anything about it, though. So, You know, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's a lie. I remember Rosario Dawson and Aleister Black getting in a brawl. Oh, that's right. the only thing I remember from that show. Yeah, Dynamite did suck. <laughs> I don't remember anything else from that show. Uh, but yeah, so that is our uh, off-topic conversation that went 24 minutes. I guess some of that was wrestling, actually. We got some yeah. wrestling in there, yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we get into these two New Japan shows, I just want to let you know, of course, if you're a patron, this is your second episode of the week. you got two episodes this week. Uh, this past Monday... We did the Wrestling Omakase full episode exclusive to the Patreon uh, with myself and special guest Haley. And we discussed the another night of the G1, I believe night 13, uh, plus Tokyo Joshi Wrestle Princess 2. Plus, we did a lot of off-topic banter on uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, which is a, a, a 1997 anime series we just completed. We did like 20, 25 minutes, I think, just on Utena. So... Uh, she and I had a good time talking about that. Talking about that show, a really fucked up, really incredibly strange show. If you really want to watch a show um, that's like incredibly vague, doesn't explain anything, and has a lot of incest, boy, you'll love Utena. That's all well, I can. Say. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. <laughs> you know, I just—I'm not really an anime person, but I just binged everything that ever came out from evangelion oh yeah um, you all you know what you if you did you like Evan, evangelion yeah well i became i watched the whole fucking run and the movies in like eight days so yeah i guess i must have liked it uh you should watch your time i'm not even kidding like it really it's really really similar it's it's sort of like the girls version of evangelion like it's the like, same like girls the hbo show it's like the show because shoujo is like what they call like anime manga for girls it's like the shoujo evangelion i mean it is it it makes no fucking sense sometimes it deals almost entirely in uh you know like allegories and like metaphors and all that kind of stuff and like they don't give a fuck if you understand what's going on they don't give a fuck if you think it makes sense they just fucking plow through. It really reminded me of watching Evangelion. Like it's very, the vibes are very similar. So Evangelion made me a miserable person to be around. Will you tend to do the same thing? Because if know. so, I'll, I'll definitely watch it. <laughs> it might. It's gonna. It is really fucked up. I mean, they they really. 
It's something. That's all I'm going to say. You should watch. I love the show. I'm not. I'm like, but you need to be a certain type of person to enjoy it. And it sounds like you're that type of person if you if you felt that way about uh, Evangelion. So. Well, I'll tell you what. My girlfriend's out of town for three more days. And much like wrestling, if I'm going to watch this shit, I should probably do it <laughs> before she gets back. Uh, Got to get so. yourself a Funimation login, I guess, or look for it illegally. I think those are the two options. All right. Illegally, it is. <laughs> well, Funimation's like seven dollars. You know, I, I keep saying it's just seven dollars to everything I sign up for. That's the problem. <laughs> but you can watch it and then get rid of it. And, you know, I keep saying I'll get rid of it. To everything <laughs> I sign up for. That's the problem. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'm a Patreon. That's, that's what this was. There's a Patreon plug uh, on the Patreon. <laughs> you can listen to uh, Haley and I discuss uh, Utena in great detail. Uh, plus, like I said, the the G that night of the G one and the Tokyo Joshi Russell Princess show uh, every single night of the G1 that we did not cover on a free episode, which is almost all of them. You can hear me talk about them on Patreon, either with a guest or just by myself. So it is patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Uh, the link, of course, is in the episode description as well. It is only $5 to sign up. It's dirt cheap for all that G1 audio. Uh, next week's episode will be coming out next Thursday, so a week from uh, today as I'm recording this, and that will have the last two nights of the G1, so the finals will only be on the Patreon. So if you want to hear me talk about the G1 finals, if you want to hear me talk about the second to last night, and the, actually all three of the shows next week will be Patreon exclusive. It'll just be the, the last two nights will be on the actual episode. The other one will be on a tournament audio. But yeah, if you want to hear me talk about the last three nights of the G1, uh, the only place to do it will be the Patreon. So uh, if you sign up for $5, you can hear me talk about the last three nights of the G1. If you don't sign up, you will never hear it. So there you go. And if you're looking for DDT coverage, we'll be doing the same uh, thing we did for the G1. We cover every night of the DDT DO, which is coming up. It kicks off, I think, November 1st. So no rest for me at all. It just goes, I, I guess I do get like two weeks off and I go right from daily coverage to the G1, the daily coverage to the DO. After that, the World Tag League and the Best of Super Juniors will start. And it's like, are you doing? Are you doing those daily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Ooh. Did it last year too. I look. I am a machine, okay. So people want to hear daily audio. They will sign up for the five bucks, and they'll get all all the daily audio they can handle. Are they doing World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors in one tour again? Yeah, they're doing it one tour again. Yeah. Okay, that makes a little more sense. If they were just doing, if you just did World Tag League, then <laughs> I enjoyed it last that, year. That, that's I the hustle. Know. I, I enjoyed it last year. I thought it was good. I bailed on that whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was good last year. I don't know. Uh, okay, so yeah, again, patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. All your tournament coverage for the rest of the year, all on the Patreon. So definitely check that out. But we are going to talk about two nights of the G1 for free here. So we're going to start out with uh, G1 uh, night 15, which was from the A block on uh, yesterday, Wednesday uh, October 13th from Sendai, the second of uh, two straight nights in Sendai. Uh, the show opened up with a non-tournament match, Hiromu Takahashi defeating Kosei Fujita in 746 with a Boston Crab. Um, so this, you know, the, the, the day before they did Hiromu against Oiwa, and I did not think this one was nearly as fun. You know, Hiromu really chopped the crap, crap out of Oiwa. He chopped the crap out of Fujita too. But I thought he really laid it into Oiwa even more. Maybe Oiwa just pissed him off or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, this wasn't quite as fun. It was still more fun than a lot of the Young Lion matches have been on this tour, though. 
Uh, so, you know, I went three stars on this, you know, it was fine. Uh, better, like I said, than a lot of other the of these uh, Young Lion matches on the store have been. Yeah, this is where this match is where I realized uh, what an undertaking coming on the pod was going to be because uh, A Block shows I've been skipping the Young Lion matches. I've been skipping the Yano matches. Um, so this is the first time I watched a Young Lion match on the tour, and I usually like try and keep tabs on Young Lions. It's just I'm watching a whole G1, skipping anything is a is a joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a lot of fun. Um, love getting to watch Hiromu do anything. Uh, I mean, if you want to sucker me into liking a match, just chop each other the whole time. Uh, so yeah, this was cool. I don't really have a grasp on these two young lions who've been on the tour, and I especially really don't after this match. It was just abuse from Hiromu. But uh, I like abuse from Hiromu, so I have three, sure, three, three, two, 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 two and three quarters or three stars, something like that. It was fun enough. Uh, match number two, the special singles match, you know, the non-tournament A-block match. Uh, of course, we're supposed to get Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito on this show, uh, which, you know, a very going to weep for that one because who knows what crazy shit they would have done together. But Ibushi instead beat Satoshi Kojima in 14.56 with the Kamigoe. Um, I thought this was pretty boring early on, just pretty slow with not much going on. Uh, it did pick up, though, with some hard striking from both guys. They did finally get the crowd into it, too. You know, as into it as a clap crowd could be. Uh, and then Kojima drops Ibushi with the DT on the apron. Uh, just as we got the 10-minute call, Ibushi came back with his sit-out powerbomb, back on the ring for a two-count. He tried for the Kamigoe. Kojima was able to pull him up into sort of a full Nelson hold, but then he, like, spun out of it into a Koji cutter. Now, the transition from the full Nelson into the Koji cutter was a bit awkward and strange. I don't It was very... Weird looking, uh, but the actual Koji cutter was great as it always is. Uh, and then he followed up with a brain buster for a two count, so that was kind of cool. Uh, I mean, I know that's like one of his signature moves, but he doesn't doesn't hit it that often anymore. And it was like, oh, maybe he's really gonna beat him here. Uh, Ibushi, obviously, he wasn't going to, but in the moment, yeah. no, <laughs> uh, Ibushi blocked a lariat from the right side. He ate one though from the left for another close near fall, and they did this pretty great lariat clashing spot where Kojima put Ibushi down, but Ibushi ended up turning another lariat attempt into a uh, sort of not very impactful half-Nelson suplex, and then he hit the big step-up knee and the Kami going for the pin. Uh, you know, I thought, that, like I said, start out slow, turn into a damn good match by the end, although I thought the final part of that closing stretch could have been executed a little better, especially the, like I said, the the weird transition into the Koji cutter and the weirdly non-impactful uh, half-Nelson suplex, but... I still went three and a half. It was good. Uh, maybe expected a little better. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always hard to know with the dads, but, you know. Yeah. I, uh, you know, these matches, these filler matches for, well, uh, replacement matches for the for, for Naito not being there, some of them I've really loved more than, some of them have been my favorite matches on the shows they're on. Uh, yeah, there's been a couple. This one's not, oh, it was almost one of them. Uh, the main event pulled through huge, but... Uh, and I don't know if it's just like if, that it's nice to see a new face or that Kojima only has to wrestle one night and everyone's got to do 10 um, or however many. But I thought this was great. I thought it moved quick. Uh, Kojima greatest hits. Watching Kojima go up for a golden bomb is cool. Uh, I really like this. Uh, three and three quarters. Um, also, just a side note, uh, I love Satoshi Kojima's elbow drop so much. I, <laughs> I always say... That if someone were to do a flying elbow drop 
in an actual bar fight, it would look like Satoshi Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> Uh, match number three, our first tournament match of the night. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii defeats Yujiro Takahashi in 17 minutes exactly with the vertical drop brain buster. So that brings Ishii to five and three and drops Yujiro down to two and six. Uh, this seemed to be one of the matches of the night that I was very much not in line with uh, Grapple Force when I saw it. But I thought this was great. Uh, Yujiro, he jumped Ishii as soon as he got in the ring. He put him down with a shoulder block at the bell. They brought around ringside uh, with Yujo using his pimp stick. I like how Kevin Kelly always just calls a walking stick. It's a pimp stick, sir. <laughs> He's a pimp. That's his whole thing. Uh, I remember when Zach walked. Did you remember when Zach walked up to Kevin Kelly and said, "A pimp in this day and age"? Oh, <laughs> a that, pimp. <laughs> I, I can't love that do, whole match. That was great, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was he used the pimp stick on him as Peter distracts the ref. Uh, they got into doing a lot of the typical spots you'd expect. Some big lariats from both guys. And then Yujiro. Okay. He completely fucked up the buckle bomb. Yep. But it was one of those bot spots that looks way more dangerous and cool than the intended one. So it worked anyway. Because, like, he basically missed the turnbuckle pad almost entirely. Except, like, the very top of Ishii's head hit, like, the very bottom of the pad, which must have sucked. And, like, the rest of his head and his body just crashed into, like, the hardest part of the ring. Uh, you know, as they always say. Uh, wow, that looked like it sucked. Uh, and then Yujiro followed up with the Miami Shine for a near fall. He hit the pimp juice on Ishii. But since that's no longer his finisher, Ishii kicked out. Uh, Ishii then reversed. What, what were you going to say? I was just laughing at that. I, I love that. When someone changes their finisher, the old finisher suddenly sucks and doesn't yeah. hurt anybody. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. kill any. It doesn't beat anybody now. Well, for you, Joe, it works anyway because his old finisher never beat anybody to begin with. So. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did not need an excuse for Ishii not to pin people with any move. <laughs> uh, Ishii reverses an attempt at the big juice into a German suplex, um, and then Yujiro, though no sells it. Uh, he runs right into an Ishii lariat though, and then Ishii puts him down with the a brain buster for the pin. I thought it was pretty great. I thought it was all action. Uh, you know, I thought this was one of Yujo's best matches of the tournament, and apparently nobody else agreed with me. I went three and three quarters here. You know, I think I think on Joe's daily stuff, he gave it three and three quarters too, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, uh, I don't know, I wasn't vibing, and I'm usually, you know, high high floor for Ishii matches, and I've been weirdly into Yujiro in this tournament. I thought Yujiro's act, like I said before, was like a really, really good match. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. I thought like Yujiro getting up and no selling shit like Ishii just like felt dumb. Um, I don't, I, and that's the thing. Like Yujiro's got like so many moves that are prefaced with the word pimp now that usually when it gets to bomb throwing, he has so many like signature spots. I'm into it, but I wasn't vibing. But my favorite part of the match was uh, when, uh, when Peter is, uh, is, do I just say Peter or Peter? I think, never... it's, P- I think it's Peter. Peter. Yeah, it was just say Peter. So when she's dancing in the beginning, uh, Kevin Kelly, who I felt like was kind of loopy on this show, just goes, "The lovely Peter with her interpretive dance, telling the fans in Sendai and all around the world exactly how Yujiro will win." <laughs> Look, this man's been by himself for too long. <laughs> he needs somebody to talk to. Interpretive dance. Uh, and then later yeah. on, when when Peter's uh, distracting Ishii, he goes, "The feminine wiles of Peter. Stay away from her. She's a." And then he pauses for a while and he goes, stunning woman. 
I remember that way more than the match. I also the uh, I get what you're saying about the the buckle bomb, um, and I think I would feel the same way if Ishii had a neck. It just looked like a, <laughs> it just, it didn't look like it hurt his neck because nothing looks like it hurt his neck. It just looked like a two by four bouncing off the wall. Uh, <laughs> so I thought it still looked shitty, but I normally get what you mean when uh, when a when a botch looks better than the real move does. Um, I thought the closing stretch was a lot of fun and it was all bombs and I'm a sucker for that. So three and a quarter. There you go. Uh, match number four was Kenta defeating Tongaloa in 22-12 with a schoolboy. Uh, so Kenta goes to six and two and Tongaloa goes to two and six. Uh, another match no one agreed with me on. So Kenta stalls to start. He repeatedly rolls in out of the ring every time Tonga chases him. I, I've learned over the years that heel stalling annoys everyone else on the planet earth way more than annoys me i don't know what it is but like i i don't really care and like everybody else freaks the fuck out about it i just it i it does not bother me at all it's just this is gimmick he stalls i mean this is maybe something i just have to tell myself to be a naito fan because he he used to do it a lot he, he still does it a little bit see i love like, it when naito does it and i usually love it when kenta does it and the reason i hated it in this match is because normally when when the heel is stalling it's because you're anticipating what comes next. But it's really an uphill battle in the first place to get me to give a shit about your match with Tongaloa. So I, 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 I like just let's just fucking do it. Um, which I guess is the point. But it didn't normally I'm like, yeah, that's cool. He's being a dick. But uh, it, 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 I hated it this time. Uh, so there was some fun action once they got past the stalling, including very hard kicks from Kenta, of course. Uh, just before the 20 minute call, Tonga nearly charged right in the ref. He stopped himself. Kenta, of course, just throws himself into Tonga's back to make sure he hit the ref after all. Uh, Kenta low blows him. He kicks the middle rope up into Jado's crotch when he tries to get the ring to complain. He steals Jado's kendo stick while continually apologizing since they're all in Bullet Club together, which I thought was really funny. Uh, he then did the old Eddie Guerrero thing when the ref got back up. He collapsed to the mat and uh, dropped the stick like he'd just been hit by it. I don't know why people in New Japan do that because the refs never call for DQs in this company. So I'm always just like, what was the point of pretending you got hit by something when the refs never, like it's never worked. And they do it so frequently now. Yeah. It's it's very bizarre. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, he, he then jumps back up. He goes to hit Tonga with the sick while the ref is getting Jada out of the ring. But Tonga stops him with his own low blow, uh, which is funny because he hasn't really been cheating at all in this G1, him or Tama. But I guess he's just like, well, motherfucker. You want to hit me in the nuts? I'm going to hit you in the nuts back. Uh, he went for the big power bomb. Kenta escaped with punches. Tried for an inside cradle. Tonga blocked it and powered him up all the way into like a suplex position. That looked really cool. Uh, but Kenta escaped the suplex. He ran him into the corner, turnbuckle pad, and then he schoolboyed him with his feet on the ropes. Uh, and that got the pin. Uh, you know, at times, I, my thing with this is like the Kenta, I've talked about this a lot behind the Patreon too. The, the Kenta cheating stuff almost feels unnecessary at this point because it's like his actual in-ring... Like, I, I, okay, when he came back at first, I got it because he did look a step slow and looked like he couldn't hang really in New Japan anymore. So it's like, okay, I get why he relies so much on the cheating. In this G1, I thought he looked great. I don't know if the time off back in America helped him that much or whatever, but he looks like he's he's keeping up with everybody great. His, you know, his kicks look better than ever. He just like... His, the actual in-ring action like is as good as it's been for him in the company, it almost feels like he's too good now to be doing this cheating shit. He doesn't need this shit anymore. 
but he still does it, obviously. So what can you do? Uh, I thought this was good. I, I had fun with it, even though it did kind of drag at times, all the stalling at the start. But the cheating stuff is what it is. I went three and a half, apparently higher than anybody else on earth went in this match. I liked it. So, Hey, I get it. I gave Chase Owens and Sonata three and three quarters. We all have our crosses to bear. But uh, the, uh, yeah, with this match, well, here's the thing too. I, I don't know if Kenta like got his win back or sped up or caught up to anybody. I think Kenta got smarter. And I think now when Kenta stalls a match, it looks intentional and it doesn't look like he's falling behind. And I say that as someone who really enjoys Kenta's work of late, even if the ceiling on it's lower than it used to be, obviously. Um, In this, like I said, and also both these guys are coming off a match on their prior show that I loved. Kenta and Zach was one of my favorite matches of the whole tournament. And Kenta cheating in this tournament, I've mostly enjoyed because I think Kenta's really funny. And yeah, he is hilarious. He is fucking hilarious. He's super funny. <laughs> uh, and at the end of this match, all that shit you were talking about, where he's like, "I'm sorry, T. I'm sorry." I thought that was they, all really what, funny. And they forgave him, which was that was the funniest that's, part. That's in that, my notes. He's like torturing <laughs> their balls for the last three minutes of the match, and they're like, "Good one." <laughs> that was well, smart the way you punished our nuts. It sort of calls back because remember, God, Tomatonga helped bring him in supposedly. And like, mm-hmm. remember, Kenta turned involving Tamatanga. So like, they've been close or whatever. So it kind of makes sense that his brother would be like, yeah, you know, whatever. We love you, buddy. Uh, so it does kind of make sense from that aspect. Uh, the aspect where it doesn't quite make sense, of course, is like you said, they kick, he, this man kicked you both in the balls. So maybe that <laughs> yeah. part doesn't make as much sense. Just uh, smoosh your testes for the last yeah. couple of minutes. And, uh, but you know, you said my, the, the most salient point I can make you mentioned, and that's when the 20 minute call happened. I have no fucking idea why Kento Tongaloa went past 20, <laughs> two stars. <laughs> and I love him. I, I'm a Tonga. I wanted more out of this tournament, but I'm still, I'm still high on him. Kenta in this tournament, especially the thread of the, the corner turnbuckle. I know that's bothered some people. I think making that a thread through the tournament was a really fun thing to do especially when it came back up in matches that were otherwise just normal, good matches. Um, I've really enjoyed that. And I've really enjoyed Kenta. I thought this match was a nightmare from hell. Main, uh, the semi-main event, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Toriano in only 642 with the arm lock cross hold. So Zack goes to six and two and Yano drops down to four and four. Uh, so Zach, he puts a sleeper on Yano from behind as the referee is still doing his very long announcements. And then he tries to, or the referee, I mean the ring announcer. Uh, and then he tries to crucifix him for the immediate pin. Yano counters with his own pin attempt. Zach gets the Cobra twist on him while he's still got his full like robe and sash on. That was really funny. And then he nearly cradles him out of there for another near fall. Uh, Yano finally rolls out so he can get his fucking clothes off, I guess. Uh, he carries Zach all the way out of the ringside area. Uh, Yano does, I mean through the curtain into the back and we can hear the sound of things uh, crashing backstage as Marty Asami starts counting them both out. And then Yano comes out of the curtain alone, heads back to the ring. Zach stumbles back up with a bag over his head, which he then pulls off and then runs back to the ring at 17. Uh, Yano probably should have taped that thing to have his head or something. I don't know what he was thinking. Just putting on his head. Huh? I said, you'd think. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, so kind of funny that Yano then, when Zack is back in the ring, Yano follows that up, I swear to God, by trying to put a cross arm breaker on him. I was like, of course. Uh, the only way to, everybody knows the sequence goes bag over the head, cross arm breaker. That's just, that was probably the funniest thing of the match. Uh, he went from trying to blind, he went from trying to blind this man and win by count out to an arm bar. <laughs> okay. Uh, Zach reverses through his own cross arm breaker, but Yano's able to walk his hands to block. It's a real technical match now. And then he makes the ropes to break. Uh, then they get handcuffed together. They both nearly get counted out. They exchange cradles back in the ring while still handcuffed. And then Zach gets a triangle on him again while still handcuffed. And Yano tries to uh, free himself with a key while in this triangle. But Zach switches to the arm bar, the cross arm lock, and Yano taps out. So this, unfortunately, was nowhere near as good as their classic during the G1 last year, a match I honest to God gave four stars. Uh, but, you know, it was much shorter for one. But, yeah, their weird chemistry continued anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like Yano's best match of the G1 every year. So I went three and a quarter. That's what that meant this year for Yano. But yeah. Yano has not had a good year, but this match was pretty fun. Uh, I've been skipping Yano, uh, and I'm not, I'm not like an abject Yano hater. Yeah, same like with me. Like some are. I just... I can't watch all. I got to skip something. Um, so I haven't really had any idea what he's been up to. I thought this was a lot of fun. I think it helps. You can tell when someone's like really excited to have their Yano match. And Zach loves having a Yano match. Uh, Zach having like a very loose fitting bag on his head while he's running into uh, the rails. I thought it was a bit much, but I don't know. Also, uh, Yano, there's little grappling sequences. I love these little like these tiny little flares where you remember that Yano actually like is a pro wrestler and knows how to have wrestling <laughs> matches if he really wanted to. Um, so I had a good time. Uh, my main thing is the Yano match wasn't the worst match on the show. Uh, two and three quarters. It was fun enough to watch and it was better than Kenta and Tonga. Uh, the main event was Shingo Takagi uh, defeating the great Okan in 2550 with the last of the dragon so shingo moves up to six and two and great okan drops down to four and five uh so that shingo's ribs were taped up entering this match uh due to the damage he took in his last match with tonga loa there you go tonga loa injured the champion everybody unbelievable uh shingo at one point he blocked okan's mongolian chops and then he uh stared at his hands briefly and hit like oh well, he did the so Shingo blocked the Mongolian chop, and then he did his own Mongolian chop, and he stared at his own hands like he was Johnny Gargano. He was like, how am I so Tenzon? Like, <laughs> what, is, what is going on? I was just like, what the fuck? I did not think I was going to see Johnny Gargano hand staring uh, on this New Japan show, especially from Shingo Takagi, of all people. I guess they were in Dragon Gate USA together. But... Shingo's paying respect to all his heroes. There you go. Uh, he keeps hitting the Mongolian chops. He drops Okan with a big DDT. We get a suplex no-sell spot. That ends with, they, they just like drop each other in their heads and both no-selling them. And then Shingo bounces off the ropes and kills Okan with an awesome sliding lariat. Uh, then Okan uh, repeatedly like just takes these lariats right to the neck from Shingo. Uh, soon after the 20-minute call, he just won't go down. But then Shingo catches an axe kick from Okan into Made in Japan for a two-count. I, I actually didn't love the setup there. It looked a little too much like Okan going, here, please take my limbs so you can hit my hit your move. Oh, wow. Uh, that's <laughs> interesting. I have it in my notes that I that I thought the Made in Japan 
transition was like so slick and pretty. <laughs> but I guess we both I guess we both feel that way, but from different uh yeah. you saw it as a negative. Yeah, just kind of awkward and like his facial expression was weird too. Maybe that's the, that was the big problem. Sure. Um we go to the big strike exchange. Shingo is rocking Okan with elbows from each side. He hits a punch to the face, which Okan no sells, rears back and hits his own big punch. Uh, he's been doing that punch a lot too, so that's you know it's like kind of turned into one of the signature spots. And then uh, at that point, Shingo no sells that though, and then he hits a big headbutt, uh, you know, on Okan. And Okan no sells that anyway, and but then he charges right into a huge elbow to the face. So pretty great exchange there. Uh, and Shingo goes for last the dragon. Okan escapes. He goes behind with a sleeper. He gets the claw over Shingo's face during the sleeper, then goes for the Eliminator. Shingo gets out of it. They both duck each other before Okan takes Shingo down with a Lariat for a two count. Shingo escapes another Eliminator, hits a Dragon Suplex and a diving forearm uh, just as we get the 25-minute call. Okan gets right back up, but Shingo kills him with a pumping bomber uh, that he, you know, Okan lands right on his neck for, uh, and that gets a two count. Uh, Shingo tears his own tape off his ribs and hits last the dragon. And that of course gets the pin. Uh, I was a little surprised there. I thought Okan was going to beat him and finally get a big win and, you know, spoil it here, but he did not. He, you know, he's taken his lumps in his first G1. He got his little four and win streak, but now he's, uh, you know, lost five straight here to end the tournament since this tournament's over. I guess it was actually a three match win streak. Yeah. Cause one of them was a, he's supposed to be fighting Naito on the last night, oh, but he right, probably would have right. gotten a big win to, uh, end his tournament but uh you know instead he just has the free two points but yeah if anyone was one was wondering uh whether or not okan was ready to step in and wrestle new japan main events i mean he proved it in these three nights when he got put into these main events against ishii ibushi and shingo that he was never supposed to be in you know they were all supposed to be semi-main events i believe uh below naito mains um you know he he answered the bell he was great in all these three of these matches i mean i went four and a quarter on both the Ishii and Ibushi matches. I went four stars flat on this one, so it was my least favorite of the three, but still an awesome match. Um, and, you know, this is just like, uh, it's just really good to see for New Japan because he's the kind of guy that they really need to be a big star going forward. And, you know, I think the, the people who say he's bad are completely out to lunch. And, you know, if you don't like the gimmick or whatever, I get it, but I, I think he more than showed that he can hold his own here in the ring. So. There you go. You know, there were a couple of nitpicks, little awkward spots or whatever, but still a great ending to what I, what I thought was a great show. I mean, this show, uh, there was nothing bad in this show for me and obviously ended with a great main event here. So, yeah, I I loved this match. Um, this is my favorite match of the whole tournament so far. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really loved it. And there's honestly, I'm there's so much I could say about it that I loved. Um uh, Okan, he's been doing the thing in this last run where he's uh, going, where he's the matches he's losing against all the bigger names. He's doing the thing where he's like molding into their style a little bit. And oh, I heard a weird noise. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry. I, mute, I just muted it for a second. That's all. Oh, it made a fwop noise. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah. So, but with this one, so say like, look at the Ishii match before this. He has the Ishii match. He has the. Uh, you know, two bulls running at each other match. There's been this caveat with Ocon matches, these Ocon main event or longer matches where they're good matches, but he kind of, he kind of makes them into his own pace. 
I thought this looked a lot like and was paced a lot like a conventional New Japan main event. I think his offense is really taking shape and a lot of these like smaller offensive maneuvers are becoming like signature spots like that closed fist punch. Um, I also like like a lot of his like slams and takedowns are really leverage based like his arm drag. It looks like he's working off leverage like which feels like a nod to his amateur background. I like that so much of his matches are around like shit talking, sitting on the opponent in the corner, leaning into elbows. I feel like it raises the stakes at every match. I feel like it really puts like pride on the line, especially in the Ishii match and in this match. And to Shingo's credit, um, I'm really impressed by like, I know Okan's not that much of a bigger guy than Shingo, but he's portrayed as a bigger, stronger opponent um, than Shingo. And I think Shingo has been so great against guys that are bigger than him, especially because that's a role he very rarely had to take on before New Japan. Um, Like his matches with Cobb, I think are both incredible. And this one, same thing. Uh, It feels like he's using like speed and momentum to beat Okan. And uh, for the sake of some brevity, I'll stop raving about this match, but the last detail (laughs) Um, so we can go to bed at some point, but, uh, one detail, I don't know. I don't know who's the, the party that's responsible for this being the case, but when he goes for the last of the dragon, I don't know what it is, but when he drops Ocon, it just sounds like he drops this big fat slab of meat on the ground. It makes this like sick thud. It just felt so forceful. And it just added to this, like, I don't know, this big fucking beast that Ocon portrays loved this match I I don't want to give it four and a half but I also if I ever could give four and a third it's this is this is the four and a third that was a Bushi Ocon for me actually where that was like the four and a third match I get that that was also really good yeah so uh oh no maybe it was a Bushi Shingo I don't know (laughs) it was a Bushi Shingo because a Bushi Ocon is my bottom four and a quarter match so it looks like What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I don't know. Maybe it's Okada Taichi. I don't know. It was a match. It was one of the four corner matches. But yeah, so... Definitely a match. So we definitely agree it was a great match, and uh, excuse me, and you had it as an even better match than I did, so there you go. Uh, so that did it for the A Block's uh, penultimate show here, their second to last show. So the A Block standings entering the last night, and we'll have to go over some very crazy uh, scenarios to, as far as who can win the tournament thanks to all these wacky tiebreakers. So we have a four-way tie for first entering the final night. Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, and Shingo Takagi. They are all 6-2 and two for 12 points. Uh, then we have So those are the only wrestlers still alive because I think two of them face each other. So, you know, at least one of them will get to 14 points or even, you know, if they draw, they get to 13 points. Um, it's Ibushi and Kenta. Those are the two that face each other. Uh, so then the, everybody else is eliminated, including Ishii, who's in fifth by himself at five and three for 10 points. Then Toriano, Great Okan, tied for six. Uh, both are four and four for eight points. Uh, or actually, no, that's, that's wrong. Four and five for eight points. My bad. Uh, in eight, tied for eighth... We have Yujo Takahashi and Tonga Loa. No, I had it right the first time. I'm an idiot. Four and four. Eight points. It's like oh, Yano's four and four, and Okan is four and five, because Okan's done. 
So Yano is above Ocon. So Yano at four and four, Ocon in seventh at four and five. And then tied for eighth, we have Yujo Takahashi and Tonga Loa. They are both at two and six for four points. Uh, then we have Tipsy and Naito, obviously, in last place at 0 and 9 for zero points, thanks to his defeat from Zach in the forfeit for the other eight matches afterward. Uh, so, night 17 here, the final A block night will be on Monday uh, from the Yokohama Budokan. So, I have the final card order. And I have the, uh, you know, the very wacky uh, scenarios here as far as like, you know, who, what can move, who can move on and how. Um, so let me just, I thought I had it open. I guess I don't. But the card order here, um, the main event is obviously going to be Ibushi and Kenda since, you know, they both have uh, 12 points. Then the semi-main event is Zach and Tonga Loa. Third from the top, Shingo and Yujiro, since, you know, Shingo has 12 points and Zach has 12 points. And then you have Ishii and Yano, the, the only tournament match that doesn't matter. And opening the show, uh, Great Okan against Satoshi Kojima. So that's your non-tournament match to make up for the lack of Naito. Uh, as far as the scenarios, so Kent is the one who is, quote-unquote, the Kenta wins the block in six different scenarios. So he's the one who has the most scenarios to win the block. So let's go through these. After that, it's uh, Ibushi and Zach can both win in four scenarios, and Shingo can only win in two. So, uh, scenario one. If Ibushi beats Kenta, Zach beats Tongaloa, and Shingo beats Yujiro, then Zach wins the block. So there's scenario one. If Ibushi beats Kenta, Tongaloa beats Zach, so Tongaloa upsets Zach, and Shingo beats Yujiro, then Ibushi wins the block. So it doesn't matter for Ibushi. If uh, Shingo wins or loses, but if Tong- he needs Tongaloa to beat Zach. Because the same thing for the next scenario, if Ibushi wins, Tongaloa wins, and Yujiro wins, then Ibushi wins the block. Uh, if Ibushi, Zach, and Yujiro win, then Zach wins the block. If <laughs> Ibushi, Zach, and Shingo all win, uh, then then Zach wins the block. So if Ibushi, Zach, and, and uh, Shingo all win, then Zach wins the block. Uh, if Ibushi beats Kenta, Tangaloa beats Zack, and Shingo beats Yujiro, then Ibushi wins the block. Uh, <laughs> if, let's see. Oh, he's putting in Yano and Ishii scenarios to here. That's why, which that match doesn't matter. So I don't know why. What? Shout out to Chris Samsa for making this extra confusing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Uh, the next one. So if Kenta beats Ibushi... Zach beats Tongaloa and Shingo beats Yujiro. We have an unbreakable tie. So, <laughs> uh, or Kenta would advance somehow. I don't know how, but Kenta would advance somehow in that scenario. So, if Shingo and Zach both win and Kenta beats Ibushi, then Kenta would advance. If Yujiro wins and then Zach wins and Kenta wins, Kenta wins. Kenta wins the block. So, it doesn't matter for Kenta whether Shingo wins or not. If Kenta, Tongaloa, and Shingo win, then Shingo wins the block because it was tiebreaker on Kenta. So basically, Shingo, Shingo needs Tongaloa to upset Zach. Uh, and then these are all the uh, Kenta beats Ibushi. And da, 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 Kenta. Okay, I think these are all the same again. Uh, now, if Kenta. Okay, Yano defeats Ishii. Who cares about Yano defeats Ishii? If Kenta beats Ibushi and Tonga and Yujiro win, the Kenta obviously wins the block. 
Uh, <laughs> they made this so complicated this year. Uh, where the hell are Shingo scenarios to win this fucking block? That's what I want to know. Uh, okay, so have I, I haven't given a single scenario with Shingo one yet. So where are Shingo's two scenarios? I see Zach. I said Abushi. I said Kenta. Where? I, okay, like I, he says Shingo has two scenarios to win the. Oh, okay. I think I see it finally. Okay, so. Oh, I, I think I did say that already. So if Tongaloa beats Zach and uh, Kenta and Shingo both win their matches, then Shingo would have the tiebreaker over Kenta. So he's kind of oh, has two scenarios based on Yano and Ishii, which again, doesn't matter. So, oh, <laughs> so that's the first one that sticks out to me because I'm fairly confident Tonga wins. Yeah. Which is a Shingo's going to get upset by Yujiro somehow, I guess. Yeah, otherwise, I want Kenta to get through. Yeah, I think it's going to be either Kenta or Ibushi. Right. So for it, to ca- for it to come down to Kenta and Ibushi and the winner moves on, I think Shingo and Zack both have to lose. So I assume that will happen. Oh. So, so Yujo Takahashi is going to beat the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Well, he's I due. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, think if, I think Shingo can win that match, actually, as long as Tonga loses to Zack, then I think it is still... Kenta Ibushi winner moves on. Who controls their own destiny? Who can? I think win? just Kenta and Ibushi. I think. No, actually, Kenta... no. I don't think any of them do. I don't think any of them do. Oh, this is fucked yeah. up. I think it's that crazy. I think no. I don't think any of them control their own destiny. Yeah. So, yeah. In the scenario where Shingo wins and Tangaloa wins and Ibushi wins, uh, Ibushi moves on that scenario. And then the Shing- the scenario where Shingo wins, Tangaloa wins, and Kenta wins. Uh, let me just say, no, Shingo would move on. <laughs> so I guess Yujiro is beating either, either Kenta is fighting to send Yujiro to the final. I mean, Kenta's fighting to Yujiro. That would be great. Kenta's that fighting, I would love. <laughs> that either, I'm Kenta's, <laughs> either Kenta's fighting to send Shingo to the final or Yujiro is beating Shingo. So there we go. <laughs> I think that's how it goes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so if yeah. Yujiro wins the last the main event is for if Yujiro and Tongaloa win. Oh right, the main event what is a, for all the this sounds yeah. horrible. If Yujiro <laughs> and Tongaloa win, this show sucks. <laughs> it is a weird. I assume the Naito being out really fucked things up for it to come down to Yujiro Takahashi and Tongaloa needing wins. You know, because Naito love... was supposed to Naito was supposed to be fighting the Great Okan on this show, so obviously that Naito would have been Naito would have been alive probably, and the Great Okan was going to spoil him. Right, in, I, because that, o- that was my assumption too. Yeah, because because remember Naito beat him like earlier this year after Okan had beaten him no. in the New Japan Cup. Oh so, right, he won the New Japan Cup match. Yeah, okay. and then they, they faced each other again. Naito beat him. So yeah, Okan, like basically it was it was gonna come down to Ibushi Kenta and Naito Okan probably, and these other matches like Zack and Tongaloa and Shingo and Yujiro would not have mattered. You know, but it's now so they do. <laughs> I never, I never looked at, I really, I just didn't look at the last night. I knew that the A block didn't really have a really clear, like that's the block final the way yeah. it has in the past. So I just stopped paying attention and I bought that Zach was going to win this block. And if I knew that Tongaloa was his last match and then he's got the tag belt, I never would have, I never would have believed it for a second. I would have always known that's how it ends. Yeah. Uh, but I totally bought it, and now I'm just bummed no matter what happens. Uh, <laughs> I don't want Kota. Like, I, how many times? Like, I, I like Kota Ibushi. I, I love Kota Ibushi. I like him uh, a lot. 
I think we're getting Okada Kota Bushi final. I think that's what we're getting. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure it'll be. I'm I'm kind of confident it'll be good. Yeah, I mean, I think they're gonna do because because um, Okada did Okada beat him? Yeah, Okada beat him already. Right. So I don't I don't know. Well, maybe we're not Kota getting. Beat him maybe it'll be in Okada the beginning. When's the last time they wrestled? I can't. It's the same match. Start the G one. Start the G one. Oh wait, no, they didn't. No, last, the year's G1, yeah, last year's G one. Yeah, last year's G one. Kota beat him. Uh, and then after he was like, "Well, I don't know why Okada sucks now. I'm not counting that match." Yeah, I don't remember. I don't have. Let's look this up. Why not? I feel like we're forgetting a match, but I don't know what it is. So yeah, it feels to... like Okada and Kota wrestle every three months. Yeah, I'm gonna look this up. Maybe they haven't wrestled since last year's G1. I really have no if idea. If so, I'm going to sound dumb having said that. I really hope they've... Uh, oh, boy. So they have not had a singles match. You can edit this, last, right? Since September 2020. <laughs> so last year's G1. Well, so a year maybe. feels like three months during COVID, so I'm standing by it. Yeah. But uh, there you go. We got a. We have an Okada. The Rangers got a point, everybody. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> 2-2, two, two, end of regulation. They almost got scored on with five seconds left, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> the G1 Climax, uh, we got Akata Ibushi. But, you know, and that's their last meeting. So uh, I, got, I have to tweet out a point is a point. Absolutely. Okay. Take your time. Take your time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Okada was very important for me to stop talking so I could do that. Uh, Okada Everybody, who, Anyone who follows me on Twitter and listens to this show is going to be like, John was recording when I tweeted out a point is a point in all caps. Uh, but yeah, so Okada probably in their first match since last year's G1. That's probably the final. So Okada's going to get his win back for Ibushi beating him. Womp womp. We just figured it out, I guess. Oh, boy. Well, this frees up a lot of time for me. <laughs> but yeah, overall, great show. Uh, and there's your A block scenarios for the Buddha- Yokohama Budokan next Monday, which, again, I will be talking about on the Patreon. The Patreons. I have the hiccup suddenly. Uh, the Patreon <laughs> next Monday. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakasei. Okay, so let's get to the other show we're going to talk about. Not a great show. Uh, which was from the, uh, you know, from the, <laughs> I just saw you <laughs> reply to my tweet. <laughs> this tweet's going to uh, blow up once this episode comes out. <laughs> Thursday, October 14th, uh, from Yamagata, the B Block. Look, the B Blocks had a very up and down tournament. I thought nights six and eight, I believe, fucking sucked. Uh, we're not good. Nights 10 and 12 was suddenly good to great. Like they turned it on. They were great. And then night 14 and night 16 back to bad. So I don't know. You know the B the there's, I don't, the, I can't say the B is for bad because there was good stuff here on other nights, but is there a word for, for un, like that's a synonym of uncertain or uh, uh, inconsistent that starts with B? I don't think there Ooh, is. I w- but, but we'll come up with one but consistent uh, yeah biddling uh biddling um you know my, my thing would be and this this sucks for a g1 but um my thing I, I felt like the b block had a lot of what if this were an american wrestling company you'd call like a, a lot of really nice tv matches like there's a lot of like oh i wasn't upset watching that i just don't think any of these matches are great there were yeah. some there were some great matches. 
Um, and I think we probably agree on who was in all of them. Um, uh, tai Chi. Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah, well, he was. Uh, you, you were higher than I was, but I got a lot of Tai Chi matches. He was the MVP high. of the Blink Beatbox, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, Tai Chi ruled. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, I don't know, a lot of, like, you know, goofy antics in this block entertained me, but very little, you know, stuck out to me. And this show was the show was fucking bad. I had a real tough one. And it was, <laughs> it, it, it was, I was like, I can't bail. I have to be on a fucking podcast. Tonight. <laughs> it was, I mean, like, it's not like this is the worst show you've ever seen or anything, but like for a fucking G1 show, this was bad. Yeah. Uh, we opened up with Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi uh, defeating Ryohi Oiwa, Oiwa and, uh, Kosei Fujita. Uh, the Rangers just lost. Oh, well. <laughs> they did get their point. Uh, but yeah, he beat Bushi beat Fujita in 7-12 with a Boston Crab. Um, you know, I, just not much this one at all, I thought. They beat him up, and then Bushi tapped him out. Very average match here. I went two and a half stars. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of nothing. Uh, more chops. I still don't know. Uh, I, I meant to learn how to pronounce the other young lion's name before this. Oiwa. Oiwa. I, I didn't watch any of his matches. Um, except for this. I liked, I did like getting to see Bushi win a match by body slamming someone and putting on a Boston Crab. I thought that was fun. And uh, I liked the part where Kevin Kelly was just leaning over to Hiromu like, why do you chop? Do you like to chop? Do you remember that? Like, he was like speaking in weirdly like stilted English going over to Hiromu. <laughs> Hiromu's outside the ring and he's like do you like to chop and her and I guess Hiromu says something and he goes he says he does um that was my favorite part uh two and a half stars whatever uh match number two our first tournament match uh Taichi could not be a miracle worker here unfortunately Chase Owens beat him in 1205 with a package power driver so Chase goes up to two and six and uh the holy emperor down to two and six what the fuck uh Chase asked Taiji at the start if he likes sumo wrestling. He keeps drinking water and tossing, I think, was it imaginary salt or actual salt? I think it was imaginary salt. I thought it was imaginary, but I wasn't 100% sure. Um, Then he immediately gets taught. So I do the sumo, and then, of course, he immediately gets uh, tossed down by Taiji and, like, tossed all the way out of the ring. So uh, way to go, Chase, you fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Then... Chase concentrates on working over Taiji's injured ribs in midsection, hits various backbreakers and gut busters and such. Uh, there's a lot of busting, basically, breaking and busting. Uh, and I definitely have to say, I could do without Chase fucking Owens asking Miho Abe for a kiss repeatedly as he's beating down. Not great. Uh, Not great. Like this motherfucker. If if I would say he's just being, you know, a typical heel and doesn't even think about what he's doing, if not for the fact that he seems to enjoy trolling people who care about his speaking out allegations on Twitter, which makes me think he's absolutely doing this on purpose, as in like, you know, to troll those people. So you know, fuck Chase Owens. (laughs) I think you're giving him too much well, I don't I guess too much credit isn't the uh I don't think Chase has ever thought below surface level about anything in his life. Uh, I don't uh, know. I think I think he probably knew what he was doing here. That right? isn't me saying, hey, Chase is actually a good dude for what it's yeah. It's just me saying Chase doesn't think a lot. Uh, Chase hits the Alabama jam off the top rope as a tribute to Bobby Eaton. Then he hits the package power, power driver on Taichi for the pen as they continue to tell the story uh, that he's slumping, uh, you know, with the you know, with the, the injured ribs, but you know, 
whatever, I guess. Um, Chase Owens, you know, I mean, I get the story, but fucking Chase Owens, really? Um, you know, this was a fine match, I guess. Nothing wrong with it, but re- really kind of boring at times. Uh, Chase Chase peaked pretty early in the tournament, that's for sure. I gave, gave it the gentleman's three. Yeah, I think a gentleman's three is fair. There is some stuff, like I thought, I mean, aside from the other implications with it, I thought Chase, like, you know, doing the <laughs> you want to kiss or whatever. And then uh, when he goes to after all that, he, uh, you know, has to act all cowardly and stuff when Tai Chi no sells the leg kick. I thought that was all fun enough. And then doing the Bobby Eaton leg drop gave this match like something to hold on to. Um, yeah, it was. Some, I don't know. I, I think that I think Chase has had his moments where he's been shocked i don't know if i want to say shockingly good but he's delivered over the course of an entire match in a way i wasn't sure he could this was whatever three but it had you know i wasn't wasn't totally bored the whole time yeah that's that's about seems about right uh match number three sonata defeats hiroki goto in uh 15 32 with an o'connor bridge so Sonata moves up to four and four, and Goto moves down to two and six. Uh, so they start out kind of fast, but then they hit the chin lock because I guess can't let things get too exciting. And we we did get like I'd say very typical stuff from both guys in this match, not in a bad way really. Uh, you know, Sonata's leapfrogs and his plancha looks good as usual, but then they start like reversing dragon sleepers back and forth, and then Goto falls down on the Sonata flip moonsault flip off the ropes into skull end setup spot. So that wasn't great. Uh, Goto then reversed into his own dragon sleeper. And then he set Sonata up on the top rope and hit this weird, like delayed neck breaker off of there. It just looked awkward and clunky all around. Certainly just not the best sequence there. Uh, Sonata got an O'Connor roll on Goto for a near fall just before the 15 minute call. Goto picked him up and went for the GTR. Sonata reversed to the dragon sleeper. Goto awkwardly reversed that back to a cradle for a two count. Uh, Goto hit the inverted GTR, but then Sonata just kind of was like, whatever, and got the O'Connor roll a second time, and that got the pen. I was like, okay. I, they really did a good job making Goto look like a fucking dork in this tournament, even more even more than usual. But yeah, I thought it was like an anticlimactic finish to go with a very disappointing match here for two guys who uh, you know, have had good matches together before. You know, two two and two all-time records, so Sonata breaks the tie in a very underwhelming match. I would said like barely above average. I went two and three quarters, uh, just, you know, sloppy Sonata at times and Goto, you know, he really hasn't had a good tournament for me at all, either obviously in the results, you know, in the, in the work results, but I, I have not liked this tournament even from an in-ring standpoint. I know other people have liked it more than me, but I think he's been pretty underwhelming in this tournament. So, I mean, I can't really blame him for getting, not getting excited about a tournament. We're going to lose all the time, but you know, whatever. Taichi's loot two and six, and he had he had a lot better matches than Go. That's all I can say. Was just gonna say that. Was just gonna say <laughs> that. Other people are losing tons of matches yeah. and putting on good uh, good shows. At least I think uh, I don't know. In the beginning of the tournament, Goto seemed a little more motivated. I don't know if I'm just like I got a soft spot for Goto, but it's got to be the right I applications. Do too. <laughs> but it, like, yeah, but the the instances where I find myself caring are shrinking more and more, and now it's like you just got to put him in there with like. A, a grunt like Ishii for me to care. It's got to be like a dumb, violent match. He has to turn or something. I mean, really, he. I'm not going to give a shit if he turns. I think it, I think he's yeah, just got to go be a dad. And if I can frame I, him in I my would, mind as a dad, 
I'll like him. I want more. him to turn. I want him to get like one big heel run before before he goes to Dadland. But I don't know. Once he got tangled up in that Kenta story, and nothing came out of that for him. <laughs> I was like, which was and it was like one of the best angles the company's run in years, and somehow Goto just baselined out of it, uh, which I thought was impossible. Uh, so I don't know, and with this, and like Sonata, I don't know. I don't hate Sonata. Uh, I hate his closing sequence so much, and so much of New Japan's big singles match style is based around building toward your closing sequence. I hate his. I just hate his shit so much. Um, so this match. I don't know. This match just felt like nothing happened. It felt like as little could happen in a match between two wrestlers this talented as possible. Um, the only I my notes are just like I don't know what to write about. My my notes say I have no idea what to write about this. Uh, I like that it ended. I liked uh, you know when that O'Connor roll worked. I was like, oh good, we're uh, we're out of here without like an extended like GTR uh, skull and reversal sequence. Um, two and a half because everything looked good enough they're both good pro wrestlers uh then match number four the only great match on this show uh was Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Yoshihashi with the high fly flow in 14 13 uh Tanahashi goes to four and four and Yoshihashi goes to two and six uh so this match you know they they had a pretty cool exchange where Tanahashi and Yoshihashi exchanged moves uh, from the front suplex position. Yoshi was like hitting these normal suplexes and Tana was hitting twisted shouts. Uh, but both guys just like won't let go of each other. And Yoshi tried to hang Tana over the top rope. But Tanahashi uh, quickly counted back and hit a final twist and shout to put him down. Finally breaking his grip. And at that point, I just wrote down, like, these are two noisy-ass wrestlers just <laughs> screaming and grunting at each other. I kind of love it. They just were, like, so loud in there. It was, like, like it was almost like a Joshi match with how loud they were with each other. Uh, I'm not saying that as an insult. I love Joshi matches. Uh, Tana nails Yoshihashi with a sling blade, but he popped right up and no-sold it. He had an axe bomber that Tana no-sold right back, but then... Uh, Yoshi followed up with a super kick, but Tana popped right back up and hit another sling blade for a two count. Uh, he went up and hit the high fly flow cross body to a standing Yoshihashi, followed by the high fly flow to the front, and that of course got the pin. I thought this was a great match. I thought they, I like they didn't try to make it a fucking epic because again, it shouldn't take some of these New Japan G1 matches where it's like, why is it taking this long for this person to beat this person? It never should. This was like it was 14 minutes. It should not take that long for Tanahashi to beat Yoshihashi. It makes 14 inches is like about the max it should go. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, a great match, and a show that desperately needed it. So I couldn't quite go the full four, but it was an easy three and three quarters for me. So I, I had a great time with this one. Yeah, this was a really just pleasing match. I wouldn't call it a great match, but I was entertained the whole time. I like that there was two like little reversal struggles, and one ended with Tanahashi just battering him with twist and shouts, and the other ended with Yoshihashi getting the dragon suplex. Um, I think Yoshihashi's been real good in this tournament. Uh, Yoshihashi's had some matches where I'm like, I can't believe I'm enjoying the Yoshihashi match this much. Um, but you know, like you said, it just was, it just did nothing wrong. It was, it was, it was exciting. They were both fired up. Um, and it just, it just ended like, which is another thing that doesn't, like you said, it shouldn't be, well, Tanahashi, they're, I think they're playing up that he's getting older in this tournament. 
or maybe I just feel that way because he lost clean to Chase. Um, but I, I do kind of like, I know we always say like they're beginning to phase Tanahashi down and people always say that. And then something happens where I go, I don't really think they're phasing him down, but this tournament, I do feel like they're, they're prepping Tanahashi to get out of main events and not come back. Um, that said, he still should be able to handle Yoshihashi and he just does. And I like that. Uh, so three and a half for me. I like the whole thing. I think they're, they're both, they've both been great in the tournament and, uh, just a really pleasant match. Uh, semi-main event, Jeff Cobb defeats Evil with the Tour of the Islands in 1645 to eliminate him. So Cobb goes to 8-0, and and Evil ends up at 6-2. and uh, And he's down, He's done, of course, because uh, the best he can do is 14 points. And even though Okada, uh, you know, might... I mean, basically, someone has to win Okada versus Cobb, right? So that's all it comes down to. So, And both of his losses are to Okada and Cobb anyway. Yeah. So he can't win any tiebreakers. But someone has to win that match. So, uh, but yes, so I don't know. I mean, I ranted for so long behind the Patreon about how fucking sick I am of evil. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to go on the same rant again. So let's just go through some of this possible match. Uh, he, if you want to pay for the rant or you want to hear the rant, you got to pay for it. It's only $5. I've got a pretty uh, good evil you, rant you know, on this podcast once. <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> slash wrestling. I'm not say. Uh, evil sends Cobb and the ring announcer, of course. But then Cobb does do something kind of amazing. This is like the only highlight of the match for me. He sets Evil up the timekeeper's table. He even hands him the little wooden hammer, a great touch. And he then grabs Dick Togo. He throws him into the railing. And Dick Togo crashes into Evil. And Evil gets to experience what he's done to poor Abe all this time. Loved it. Uh, that was honestly a way better payoff than I thought we'd ever get. Yep. With a stupid Evil hate, hates Abe thing. They had better fucking end it now. Please do not just have evil go back to putting knocking people in the timekeeper. This should be it. This should be me? the end. Evil Abe in the dome, baby. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this should be the end of it. I hopefully they don't fucking do anything else. Uh, if I have another complaint about this, it's almost too baby face for Cobb. Like I know he's the face in this match, but he's a heel. Yeah. Why is he avenging the timekeeper? It's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little much too much of a baby face thing for him to do. Uh, but you know, that's a, that's a nitpick. Uh, so later on, something that did suck, Cobb has Evil up in his arms. He, quote-unquote, tries to run him into Dick Togo on the apron, but accidentally hits the ref instead. This looked fucking stupid. Like, the ref and Dick Togo are not that close together, so it made Dick Togo, it made uh, Jeff Cobb look like a complete fucking idiot that he missed Dick Togo and hit the ref. I forgave and, him for one reason, well, and that's that while he was doing it, he just yells, Fuck you, Togo! Yes, it's like, oh, we got to make sure we know. And that was kind of funny, but it was like, oh, we got to make sure we know that he was aiming for Dick Togo. Because yeah. otherwise he can't tell because the spot fucking sucks. It did suck, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then he slams Evil and then covers him and is like, oh, duh, why is there no ref? Because you just knocked him off the apron or you knocked him to the ground, you fucking idiot. Uh, and then Dick Togo hits him in the back of the chair while he's covering this man with no one counting. Like, again, like a complete moron. Uh, Evil and Togo give him the magic killer. Like every single spot with Togo, I I, I shouldn't do the same rant again. But Let's every go. single spot with Dick Togo requires you to believe that no one in New Japan Pro Wrestling watches anybody else's matches. Okay, and this is not a company where we've established that. This is not WWE. We well, have not established that no one in the fucking back has ever watched anybody else's match. They do things and they scout each other. They, they do spots based on that. Nobody in this company has apparently ever watched an evil match. Well, you know, 
I listen to that rant. Because fall for the same shit. Yo, you, you forget you're a patron. Oh, yeah, I'm a patron. <laughs> I'm a diehard, baby. I listen. Yeah. I heard the rant, um, and I was thinking, there's a lot of members of, like, Chaos, and they all ride a bus together. And you think they lean over over dinner and be like, hey, pal, you're going to wrestle that guy uh, in two days, right? Watch out for when they do they do this thing. You're going to want to watch out for it. Uh, but I, I don't know. They must not make small talk. But evil, I mean, uh, Cobb doesn't have any any friends. I don't Cobb's probably just driving by himself in a rental. I guess. But he who wants so to watch all watch. these? I don't want to watch all these matches. Why would they? I guess. <laughs> Maybe we'll ask for a fucking call and give him a phone call from across the fucking pond and tell him. I don't know. That'd be a, a good stable leader would do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so these these spots, they just drive me insane because it's the same shit in every match. And I and I know that in a, in a lot of ways, New Japan, the G1, is all the same shit in every match. But for some reason, it just seems fucking stupider when it's the same shit involving a cheating manager doing easily preventable things. Well, you, this so, ties back into why I... Back back when I was losing my mind with these evil matches, why I thought this was different than every other stale heel routine. And it's because what Togo does isn't just like sneak up and hit you with a chair when the ref's not looking. Togo brings the whole match to a screeching halt three times a night and puts on like a one-man show, well, two-man show, that completely disrupts the entire thing that would be so easily preventable if even the refs talked to each other. Yeah, that was the other thing. If the referees, there is nobody in New Japan Pro Wrestling who can go, uh, maybe we should stop letting this Dick Togo guy fucking ruin all these matches. Uh, we should try doing this. Why don't you just eject him when the fucking match? Yeah. You're going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt when he's choking people with wires? And again, <laughs> I know vibe. a lot of this. You can make a lot of these arguments for a lot of stuff in wrestling, Okay. But I'm not talking because I, I I seen people do the what aboutism, and yes, there's way too much interference in AEW too. There's way too much interference in WWE. Doesn't mean I like it in New Japan either. And this was so fucking annoying, and I couldn't find like I, I can't take this evil shit anymore. And I was not an evil hater from day one. I gave it a chance. I liked the Naito feud, but I just I can't take it anymore. I cannot fucking take it. It's the same shit in every fucking match. Mm-hmm. They gotta move this character on. And the other part of the rant, this doesn't really apply to Cobb, but the other thing I talked about on the Patreon is like, I, I, this evil character would annoy me so much less if the idea was he's a great pro wrestler who can't quite beat the top guys. He can't beat Okada. He can't beat Naito. He can't beat Ibushi. He can't beat Tanahashi. The top of the top. Uh, you know, without cheating and without using Dick Togo. You can't beat Shingo. Whatever. Top guys, you can't beat without uh, without cheating. But he obviously does not need Dick Togo to beat Chase Owens. Instead, they book him to need Dick Togo to beat everyone on the roster. Whether it's even fucking Chase Owens, who Evil should be beating with his fucking eyes closed. And he needs Dick Togo to beat Chase Owens. He was going to lose to Chase Owens without Dick Togo. Not even a low-card face, a low-card heel in his own stable. I'm just like, it's just, it's horrible. It's like needing this guy, needing Dick Togo's help to be everyone in the company has made evil look like a fucking joke. And there's no other way to put it. This guy looks like a complete fucking joke. So. I don't even mind that he looks like a joke. I just wish once in a while Dick Togo would like just grab someone's ankle and call it a night. You know what I mean? <laughs> just hit them with a fucking kendo stick as they're bouncing off the ropes or something. 
Uh, just fucking take it easy. I got shit to do. I can't. Once the ref goes down, I know I'm in for like 10 more minutes of this shit. And that's on the first rep bump. I might have two more. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I never bothered me. Like what was the, the Jay White G1? Was it 2018? Yeah. yeah Gato, Cause Gato gets involved in like two seconds of the end. Cause, cause right. this always, Quinlan always rants about this. Quinlan, cause Quinlan hates Jay White. And he's like, Oh, nobody ever complained when it was Jay White. First of all, yes, they did. Yes, they did. But, yes, but they second, fucking did. Yes. Second of all, uh, Jay White and Gato, it was like usually one spot, right. you know, I complained on this podcast about Jay White and Gato, so I, I should like tell them, tell him to fuck off even harder when he says this shit, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, Jay White, like Jay, first, yeah, so they did, people did complain, but second of all, uh, is again, it was like usually one spot at the end of the match and that's it. It was not like a 15 minute fuck a do, like we got here with, uh, Evil and Dick Togo every night. Yeah, so. it's a nightmare. It's like if the Yano match was 20 minutes every night. Yeah. Anyway, so Evil and Togo, so what were you, what were you they gave Kyle the magic killer. Togo revived the ref. Evil hit Darkness Falls for a two count. Ref gets bumped again. Uh, that That's the other thing. These matches always have like two or three ref bumps. Uh-huh. One is enough. Fuck off with that. One's plenty. Uh, then we get a uh, ref gets bumped. Togo uses the garrote wire on Cobb. Cobb comes back with a super kick to Togo. He tries to grab Evil for a super kick. Or uh, something, I don't know. But he takes a low blow. Evil grabs a chair. Cobb super kicks it back in his face. He German suplexes him. And then he heads to Tour of the Islands for the pen. Um, unfortunately, that does make the main event almost meaningless. Because if Okada loses to Tama, he would still win the block by beating Cobb. It didn't make it quite meaningless, because which did happen, actually. But uh, it didn't make it quite meaningless, because obviously Okada losing means he can no longer, you know, if now there's a draw, Cobb will win the block. I'm sure that they will tease since it's impossible for Okada to do a match. that's not 25 to 30 minutes as we found out repeatedly during this fucking G1, but whatever, I'll take it to get rid of evil. Uh, But as a match, I thought this was nothing. I saw people praising this match. It's a usual evil junk. Uh, I guess Cobb knocking evil in the ring into the fucking railing. That was funny or knocking Togo into evil, whatever. Uh, I gave it two and a half, which that even feels generous to me. Uh, I don't know. Just, I did not think, I did not think this was worth get, Like, I saw some people saying, oh, it was worth it to see Cobb beat him. First of all, Cobb's not a baby face. Why is a heel? Why is a heel? Why is another heel the person who finally saves the world from the Cobb menace? I, I mean, the evil menace. I, I'm so fucking frustrated, I can't even talk. Why is another heel the one who saved the world from the evil menace? It doesn't make any fucking sense. So, no, I didn't think it was worth it. Uh, I don't know. This, this is just evil needs just, just please stop. Just please stop. Please. You can do like w- some of this once in a while. Stop doing all of it in every match. Please. Thank you. You have anything to say about this piece of shit fucking gimmick and everything else? Yeah, I liked it. No, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, from the show. I did, I did like it more than you did. Here's why. Uh, I think what I learned at um, Wrestle Kingdom um, was this last one, the one that had Evil and Sonata? Yeah, that match was awesome. And here's why, to me at least. Uh, to me, you, you get evil away from all the important angles and shit that matters. And then him and Dick Togo are just pro-wrestling Dick Dastardly and Muttley. And if you frame them like that, then I can judge all their matches by how much I'd like them if they were an episode of Wacky Races or the Laugh Olympics. And, <laughs> and in that regard, the Evil Sonata match was great. And... This is the same thing. It was just goofy bullshit. I wish it was just a little shorter, but 
you know, Cobb sticking the hammer in his. I mean, the the reality is I'd rather watch Jeff Cobb have a good match with somebody else. But if this is what I'm going to get, Jeff Cobb doing the uh, timekeeper table spot was funny. I loved when Cobb, uh, he arm drags or he hip tosses one of them. Oh, no, 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 no. Evil was doing the abdominal stretch on the outside and he's holding on to Togo for leverage. And then Cobb reverses it and he hip tosses Evil. And because Evil was holding Dick Togo's hand, Dick Togo does a flip like he also got hip tossed. <laughs> that was kind of funny. That was funny. I mean, I obviously like in the context of the G1, it kind of seems like it shouldn't be happening. But if that's how you're going to that, I think that's the best use of Evil at this point, unless you're going to have him like have good matches again or something. Um, imagine. imagine. Um, but yeah. Uh, and the thing too is Cobb is a heel, but when he doesn't have Osprey next to him, he's just a big ass kicker floating freely. He's just an ass kicker in a vacuum. And, uh, that probably shouldn't be their intent if he's still in the heel stable, but as it stands, if you have someone kick that much ass, it's easy to get behind them. And, I thought it was a nice little touch when you consider how many matches we've had so far where people stood up to evil and Togo and are fighting the two of them two on one and losing in the end that Cobb just beats the shit out of both of them. I thought that was a neat little touch in the context of the tournament going into the final match with Okada and just making him look like a big ass kicker. Um, That said, what'd you give it two and a half? Yeah. Uh, Two and three quarters, three. I'll give it three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the main event of the evening, a an all-time record that was 4-0 Okada, is now 4-1 because Tamatanga beat Kazuchika Okada in 24-25. Uh, he moves to 3-5 and, and Okada drops to 7-1. I was pretty stunned by this. I thought they were going to do the 8-0 versus 8-0. Same. But in hindsight, it makes sense if they don't want to do the, you know, they want to leave the undefeated, you know, for somebody else, basically. So Okada will win the block 8-1 instead of winning the block 9-0, so... He'll beat Jeff Cobb and beat him on the tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, they basically wanted to save that record for somebody else, the undefeated Jeep. Because it's like, you know, Cobb doesn't need that, obviously. I know. It was so, so. transparent what was happening here that that kind of bugged me, too. Uh, we start on the map, but we have to get 24 minutes of it, I have to say, of course, because God forbid, and Okada, uh, G1 <laughs> and Okada, you know, a G1 match goes long, shorter than 24 fucking uh 24-25. So we start on the mat with a long leg hold from Okada on Tama. Just went on forever. Uh there's nothing wrong with this match, except it was pretty boring and uninteresting, which I guess seems like something wrong with a match now that I say it, but you know. Uh I just like has Okada ever considered working a 10-minute match in his life? Ever? Please. Imagine how good would it be too? It would like imagine probably. Okada working the pace he did back when he like first came back. Yeah. And just ending matches. How good would those matches be? Uh, you know, the Rainmaker and Gunstun counters, they were okay. But even those were like, okay, it was like the less cool version of the Okada and Carl Anderson sequences they used to do all the time. Because they didn't execute as well here, I thought. Uh, just not as good as those old school reversal dances. Uh, you know, Tama just not as smooth as Carl Anderson, I guess. Or as Carl Anderson was in 2012. That was important caveat. <laughs> There's a really awkward. Well, his wife can tell you all about how the lack of smooth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a really awkward spot that I think is supposed to be Tama 
countering Okada in midair from a tombstone into a gun stun. It doesn't even look like that, though. It just looks like Okada getting hit by a power slam from Tama. That even reminded Kevin me Kelly... of, um, you know, oh, like sorry, the BB Hulk flipping DDT move. Yeah, whatever. It reminded me of that where when it happened, I was like, who got hurt? I don't know who did. <laughs> I never know who did the move when BB Hulk does that. And same thing when this happened. I had to rewind it and figure out who got hurt. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, so then, I mean, I took a quarter star off for it just for that, because it's like the, it's the penultimate, it's the moment of the match that turns everything. And it's like, even Kevin Kelly had no idea when they were getting up, who was supposed to, like, he thought Tom had a move or he, or he thought Okada had a move on Tama. And it was like, no, that was he, Tom reversing. That was Tama hitting his finisher on Okada. Apparently right. it just looked horrible. You know what though? When I did rewind it, um, it doesn't matter because if I have to rewind it and find this, it yeah, you can sort of much. see it. You can see that Okada smashes his head into the, <laughs> into yeah, the apron. But it, uh, it doesn't, look, apron. doesn't look yeah. good. Um, then Tama hits a double underhook power driver slash J driller and gets the pin. <laughs> so, Wait, wasn't that strange that he used the J driller? He'd been using the J driller in the tournament. He didn't beat anyone with it, right? He was winning with the. No, well, he kept trying to say, he kept trying to hit it and never hit it. Oh, he never hit it. I thought he hit it. I don't think he, I don't think think he ever hit it. I don't think he oh. ever hit it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I remember, I remember at least more than one moment where like he had the double underhook, and it was like, oh, what the fuck is he going for a pedigree? And I was like, oh, we'll never know because he didn't hit it. No. Maybe he did hit once. I he did know. hit it at least in the beginning of the tournament because I remember okay. me and other people being like, oh, I guess Tom is a fucking J driller now. But yeah, I mean, I went two and three quarters on this. Uh, you know. Uh, it just it was boring way long never clicked with me i guess you know there was nothing wrong with it really for the actual execution of moves but you know a pretty dull capper on a not very good show yes uh my confession here is that i was actually watching this on my train ride home to to do this was the last match i had left and uh on the train ride back home to to do this podcast and when I had sent you the message saying, um, I got to get my stuff together so we can start, uh, what I actually meant was, uh-oh, I think they're going to a draw <laughs> and I need to finish this match. Um, I thought the first like, 10, 15 minutes of this match were as transparent, stretching for time as you could ever have. Just nothing. Well, that feels like that's like every Okashi one match. <laughs> See, I, I get that, but at least sometimes I feel like there's some inkling of something in there that's leading to something um like something's happening that's leading to what the thread will be toward the finish of the match usually i feel that way this time i just felt like nothing was happening and then right after the 15 minute call i thought it you know like all these matches they picked it up i really thought they were going to a draw the way they stretched the first 15 minutes um one thing though uh i can't forgive the first 15 minutes the last nine minutes i thought were great i think where Tongaloa came in with these high expectations that I don't think he lived up to. I had zero expectations for Tama and he was way better than I thought he'd be. Uh, I was never well, barring the first 15 minutes of this. I was rarely bored in his, for any of his matches. I thought he came in looking great. I thought he expanded the move set in a way that made his matches like more fun and had like, you know, like the, the Samoan driver bomb thing and the, uh, and the, the uh, J driller, cool additions to the moveset and i thought he was really like charismatic and like engaging for that last nine ten minutes in a way that i didn't know he had in him in like a in a crack hall main event um i thought the finish was weirdly sudden i thought nothing laid the ground for him finishing people with that move 
Uh, so I thought that was weird, especially to finish the undefeated Okada with. Um, so I don't know. I'll probably give it like th- three and a quarter. I thought Tama was really great down the stretch, and I thought the last 10 minutes were a lot of fun. But the first 15 minutes were like unforgivably just nothing. So there you go. Uh, your B block standings are from night 16. Thankfully, much, much, much more stable than the A block. Uh, Jeff Cobb in first at 8 and 0. Okada's in second at 7 and 1. Evil in third, and everybody else in the block is eliminated, including Evil at 6 and 2 for 12 points. Then Tanahashi and Sonata tie for fourth at 4 and 4. Tamatanga in sixth by himself at 3 and 5. Taichi, Yoshihashi, and Goto all tie for seventh at 2 and 6. And then, actually, no, and Taichi, Yoshihashi, Goto, and Chase Owens all tie for seventh at 2 and 6. So there you go. Forgot to change Chase's ranking. Uh, your night 18, the B Block Finals, that's next Wednesday from the Nippon Budokan in Tokyo. Um, I don't think we know the match order yet, but I think we can safely assume that Okada and Jeff Cobb will be the main event considering it's the only match that matters. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Okada needs to beat Cobb in order to move on. Cobb can either win or he can get through with a draw of any kind. So, if they go the time limit, which I'm sure they're going to tease, Cobb will move on to the final. Uh, and then we have the other matches that don't matter Sonata versus Evil, Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens, Hiroki Goto versus Tamatanga, and Tanahashi versus Taichi. So hopefully Taichi gets a big win there. He needs it. And they are doing a non tournament match of Fujita and Oiwa against Hiromu and Bushi again, but it's a match zero. It's starting when, uh, before the actual build time. So there you go. Uh, there's your B block final scenarios there. <laughs> I don't know if anything else you want to say about old B block. You know, I am actually interested really for that match because I think one of the what's been frustrating about the B block and the lack of access to wrestlers outside the country they have um, is whether Okada like was working the whole injury or doing the weird money clip story for nothing or whatever, or he was hurt and he's healthy now. I think since that last. Cobb match um where was it was it was the dome it was MetLife oh MetLife okay um I lose track of these like half capacity big shows um half capacity half right well you know what I mean these these big (laughs) tenth capacity these big empty warehouse spaces uh the uh uh I think since then he's looked great he's just had no one to share that with uh the B block is pretty uh, you know, sparse when it comes to opponents you could really put on a great match with. And I think when he got the opportunity with people like Taichi and Tanahashi, he looked great again. And it's a little exciting that this, like, you know, spruced up again Okada is going to have Cobb next and then either Ibushi or Kenta. Uh, I am kind of excited to see that. And that is the only interesting observation I have about the B block. Can't wait for it to be over. Uh, so there you go. Okay. So, before we wrap this up, uh, I'm going to give my top 10 G1 matches uh, heading into the final two nights, or final three nights, of course, since there's also the overall finals uh, on next a week, a week from today, uh, the 21st in the Nippon Budokan. So, do you have your top 10 prepared? Yes, but I okay. didn't write the nights oh. that... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, try and, I'll try and find them as I go, or, or remember them. Okay. So, 10th place for me... I have an all, I will say 10 through two, all four and a quarter. 
I had a lot of four and a quarter star matches in this tournament. No four and a half and one four and three quarters, which is in first place. So uh, 10 through two, all four and a quarter. I'm not going to repeat myself every time. 10th place, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi, uh, September 26th, night five in the A block. My 10th place match. The usual great match these two have with each other in G1 every year, it feels like. What do you have in 10th? In 10th, I have Ibushi against Okan, which looks like it Night 13. Night 13, yes. Because <laughs> guess what? My ninth place match, Ibushi versus Okan. Hell yeah. Uh, October 9th, Night 13. Uh, also A block, of course. What do you have ninth? Ninth, I have uh, okay, my. Uh, this is my last three and three quarters match. I have Okada and Taichi from night twelve. Uh, that's on my list too, but much higher. Uh, eighth place, I have Jeff Cobb versus Taichi uh, from October fourth, night ten, at four and a quarter. So uh, that's one of only three B block matches on my list. The other seven are all A block. What do you have eighth? Eighth, I have Okada and Yoshihashi, four stars flat. Um, oh, I didn't like that anywhere near that much. <laughs> Had a big soft spot for Yoshihashi. I uh, gave him some uh, some big stars. Seventh place, Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. from October 3rd, night nine. Um, you know, these two again. Another, another pairing that always results in awesome matches, and it did here again for me. What do you have in seventh place? Seventh, I have Okada and Tanahashi from night two. I think that was. Yes, night two, because that is my sixth place match. Oh, yeah. oh God, I versus Tanahashi. <laughs> we're, we're, you're good at naming matches right before I name them. Uh, that is, yeah, Okada Tanahashi from night two in the B block, September 19th. What do you have, six? My sixth is Okan against Ishii from a uh, night that was fairly recent. Yeah, I had that four and a quarter, too. It, it, it just missed my top ten. Uh, so I think it was night, I want to say night 13? Right, because you know, this was maybe either thirteen or eleven. No, it was night eleven. Night eleven. Yeah. Night eleven. So there you go. Uh, fifth place, starting the top five here. I have Zack Saber Jr. versus Shingo Takagi from September twenty third, night three. Uh, that was a match some people had even higher than I did. I, I thought it was awesome. Uh, what do you have in fifth? You know, it's weird that Zack Shingo match. I don't remember, and I gave it a high score. That's why I took it off my list. I don't remember anything from it. I think I just lost it in the sea of G1 <laughs> matches in my brain. Uh, my number five is five we're up to. Yeah. Kota against Shingo um, at four and a quarter from. Guess what? Night nine, because I have Kota and Shingo. October <laughs> yeah. 3rd, night nine in fourth place. <laughs> so a match I loved that my guest did not love it at the time. I remember that. Uh, you know, so it was I was on an island there, but you and I loved it, apparently. So Loved it. Uh, what do you have in fourth place? Fourth place, I have uh, I have Shingo and Ishii, which I liked a lot, but not as much as the rest of the world seemed to um, from night one. Okay, so yeah, that's coming up towards the end of my list. Uh, third place, I have Okada versus Taichi, October 8th, night 12. One of the few fa- few matches this tournament where I was like really on the edge of my seat rooting for somebody. Just really rooting. I, I am very invested in Taichi beating Okada clean. I hope it happens someday. Even if it's only with the Gato clutch. What do you have third place? My third place, I might be higher than everyone on. I loved this match. Uh, Zach against Kenta is my hmm. third place match. Uh, I think I gave it four stars flat. I gave that four and a quarter. I thought that was off the top of my head, like the third best Kenta match since he came to New Japan. Um, 
I could be forgetting something. Uh, but I loved loved that match. Super high intensity. Thought it didn't look like the rest of Zach's matches, and definitely didn't look like the rest of Kenta's matches. Uh, second place, I have Zack Saber Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito. Of course, I have Naito's only G1 matches. <laughs> but I love their matches, and that's from September 18th, night one. Uh, my last four and a quarter star match, like I said, but almost went four and a half on this. I, they, they just, they've never had anything close to even an average match for me. I love their matches so much. Oh, I forgot about that match. Let's retroactively bump Abushi and Okan off my list <laughs> and put that one on. That match was really good. Um, my number two is Cobb against Taichi. I thought that match was killer. I thought it was one of the most, that that's like what I thought the G1 was going to be like. I thought all the <laughs> matches were going to be like Cobb and Taichi. I have that eighth, so yeah, it was on my list. And the number one, I have Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, my four and three quarter star match. I just thought these two made magic back on night one, and nothing else in this tournament has come even close for me. Yeah, I get that. Um, part of me thinks I should go back and watch that again, the way people have uh, talked about it. My number one is Shingo against Okan. Uh, I've, I haven't been that invested in another match in the tournament. Uh you can rewind and listen to me ramble about it. Yeah. I could have gone five more minutes on it. I have that was from night 15, obviously, since we talked about it here. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's my one. That's my, my four and one third match. So there you go. There's our top 10 G1 matches after night 16. We'll see if anything from the final three can get, get into my top 10 list. And uh, we'll give the final list over on the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash wrestling. All right, John, give me some plugs here. Gonna wrap this bad boy up so I can watch my LA Kings in their opening match here. Opening All right, game. let's do it. Uh, I play in a band called Timeshares that last since last time I was on this podcast has put out new music. Um, we have an EP called In the Ground that's on Spotify. Um, I also play guitar for an individual named Maxwell Stern, uh, who put out an EP that I play on, and I don't remember what it's called, but I gave you his name so. <laughs> Run with it. Google it. Yeah, just Google it, asshole. And I, uh, I'm on Twitter at Old John Hernandez, and I write stuff for Voices of Wrestling when the spirit moves me. Yeah, I, t- I guess I do too, which apparently is never nowadays because I never actually write. <laughs> I jumped like, on I a no review. Work. What'd you say? I said I jumped on a no review, so they there don't get go. rid of my parking spot. There you go. Well, I have the podcast. I can't get rid of my parking spot. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, folks, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling would not fit. Uh, next week, we'll be back here on the Patreon. So not here. We'll be on the Patreon to talk about the final two nights of the G1, wrap up the whole tournament. I will give my show rankings. Oh, yeah. Rank the shows by average star rating. The average yeah. star rating rankings for every wrestler. All that nerd stuff. That will be on the final show on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash wrestling omakasai, only $5. So definitely check that out. Uh, if you're a, li- a freeloader, doesn't want to pay me, the next time you hear me will not be for quite a while because uh, after that Thursday, October 21st show, I'm taking 10 days off from doing a full episode. Uh, I'm giving myself a break after the G1. So, you know, basically we'll be back. The next time I'm, I'm on the free fee will be two weeks from Sunday. So Halloween, October 31st. I'll be recording a uh, WCW Halloween Havoc Retro Roulette 2 with Matt Francis. We'll get six different random Halloween Havoc matches than we got last year. So 
that'll be a good time going through some old WCW completely random. Uh, but yeah, that'll be our next free episode. So not for quite a while. So if you want to hear me uh, until then, you got to pay me five bucks. Patreon.com slash wrestling. In the meantime, thank you as always for listening and I will see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.